Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Appreciate you joining us today for the podcast. Have a unique postcard today. I think I've received one one other's uh, postcard like this one. It's a, a wooden postcard. See that? It's wooden. I'm knocking on it. And it says Homer, Alaska on it. And you can't probably see this on the camera, but it says get out and fish. So uh, interesting, this this postcard was sent to me by Mayana Fairbank. Uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Mayana. Uh, but Mayana goes to Homer Independent Baptist Church. And interestingly, we supported a missionary at that church years ago whose name was uh, Pastor Glenn Harbaugh. And I remember how he he used to describe the church as being at the end of the road. Like you take this highway in Alaska all the way to the middle of nowhere. And when you get to the middle of nowhere, there's Homer, Alaska. So thank you for reminding me about that. And Miana says in her postcard, hey, if you're ever here, please visit. I can promise you, Miana, if I ever make it to Homer, Alaska, I will definitely visit you. But uh, thanks until then for the postcard. Appreciate it. Uh, We are in the book of Mark, as you well know by now. And we are in the middle of the Passover uh, feast, the Last Supper that we call it. Jesus has made an ominous prediction. He has told his disciples that one of you will betray me. And it was so somber that Every one of those disciples at some point in that meal kind of leaned over to the Lord or made eye contact and said, you know, is it, is it I? Am I the one? And I find great humility uh, in that. And of course, we know it was Judas. And Jesus said about Judas, it would have been better had you never have been born than to do what you are about to do. So what an opportunity for Judas to, at the last minute, just say no. I mean, to not follow through. I mean, it's the, like the, the warnings of the Lord are the mercies of the Lord. Always remember that. The, the warnings of the Lord are the mercies of the Lord. And sometimes we don't want to hear the message or we don't want people to bug us with a warning. But the warning is, wow, what a great benefit rather than just running headlong into a crazy situation that's going to bring destruction, which is exactly what Judas did. Look at verse number 22 of our text. And as they did eat, so as the meal is progressing, and the meal was uh, uh, hours long. So as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave it to them and said, Now, Jesus is acting as the ruler of the feast. Typically, the father would do this. And this would not be uncommon for the breaking of the bread, for the head of the family to talk about he that is hungry, he that is needy, let him eat this bread. It would all have been a picture of the eating the the meal in haste, the Passover, 
But Jesus is about to do something just uh, so unique. So he says about this bread, take it. And I love that because by saying take it, he's giving them the opportunity. You must reach out. You must take it. I'm not forcing this upon you. Just as Jesus does not force himself upon us. So take it, eat it, make it a part of you. Uh, Put it and bring it inside of you. I think about what food does for us. Food becomes a part of us, right? As we eat food, our body transforms it into the things that we need, the proteins and the, 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 the carbs and the things that our body needs as fuel and energy and as nutrients. And so make it a part of you. Take it, eat it. Then he says this, verse number 23, Um, take, eat, this is my body. So this obviously refers to what was instituted later on, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 11, as the Lord's Supper. So it's the Last Supper, which becomes what we call the Lord's Supper. Some call it the Eucharist. That's more of a Catholic term, but it's a correct term. Eucharisteo means uh, thanksgiving. Uh, Sometimes we call it communion. Those are good terms. We call it the Lord's Supper at our church. But the point is this. This brings up a a question mark because our Catholic friends would teach that the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist is the actual body and blood of the Lord. That somehow, mysteriously, when one takes that wafer, which they do— and one drinks that cup, which they don't do, which is very interesting that our Catholic friends would say it becomes the blood of Christ, but you don't even drink the cup. The priest does. But be that as it may, they say that the, the body, the, 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 rather the, the wafer and the, the juice or the wine actually physically becomes the body and blood of Christ. We call that transubstantiation or uh, Martin Luther's view, which was, well, it doesn't actually become the body and blood of Christ, but the but but they're the body of it's you're present with, so it's consubstantiation. And then uh, other reformers talked about well, there's the real presence of the Lord in the Lord's Supper, the real presence in a mystical way, the Lord's presence among us, even though the elements themselves are just bread and juice. Uh, unfermented wine, it's, it's still, there, there's a mystical real presence of the Lord. And then others like Zwingli said, no, this is a memorial. This is a symbol of the Lord's death and burial. And of course, we would lean, not lean, we would land on that fourth view, because I think that's what Jesus explained to us, that this is metaphorically my body. This is metaphorically my blood. And why do we believe that? Because the Bible, that we're to take the Bible literally in every sense that the Bible is literal. But in the sense that the Bible is written as literature, like when Jesus said, I am the door, we didn't say, oh, that means he must have a doorknob and he must have hinges. No, we understand he's speaking metaphorically. Uh, Or when Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, we don't picture him necessarily walking around with sheep or carrying a shepherd's staff. We know that he's speaking metaphorically. Or when Jesus said, I am water, I'm living water, or I am the bread of life, we don't picture him as a loaf of bread or picture him as running water. We know that he's speaking metaphorically. So when Jesus says, 
holds bread in his hand and looks at people and says, this is my body. Well, where was his body when he said that? Right in front of them. They saw his body. They knew that that bread in his hand wasn't his body. His body's right there. Uh, So he's obviously speaking metaphorically. There's not any listener that would be there that day that would say, oh, well, what he really means is that that is his actual body. No, they would understand the metaphor like they have every other time he's used a metaphor. Nobody ever has been confused about this. So this is my body. And then verse 23, and he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, this is my blood. So speaking of the cup, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. So he even used the cup as a symbol of what was in the cup, which was a symbol of his blood. This blood, this is my blood of the New Testament, of the new covenant. Every Jew would understand the old covenant, the Sinaitic covenant, the covenant of Moses, the Mosaic covenant, uh, the covenant of the law. And this new covenant would be different in the sense that God would write his word upon our heart. This is Jeremiah chapter 31. God would do a work of conformation, uh, or rather of transformation, a work from the inside out, a work of grace. Uh, The law could only condemn us so that we could trust in a temporary covering that pointed to a place of ultimate victory, which was the cross. But the New Testament is the once for all sacrifice of the blood of of the Lamb of God and the shedding of his blood so that the spirit of that covenant could come and live inside of us and cleanse us with that spiritual cleansing. This is John chapter 3, so that we could be washed, not just covered. We could be washed and cleansed by the blood of Christ. So this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, uh, for uh, the world. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, What's the point? The point is that the Last Supper, this Passover feast, what we call the Lord's Supper, was a memorial where Jesus was saying, this represents my body. And that cup, this represents my blood. And every time you partake of this bread or you partake of this juice. You do show forth the Lord's death until they come. You're portraying it. You show it forth. You're connecting your past, the fact that Jesus died for you uh, on the cross. He did that work for you on the cross to your future. Uh, This you do until he comes again. You do show forth the Lord's death until he come. So what's the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper is that connection. It's that connection. It's that which we do as local churches, where we come together and say, we recognize why we're here. We recognize what our unity is based on. It's based upon our shared belief in what Jesus did for us, who Jesus is, his identity, his work upon the cross. And we have a shared expectation that he's coming back for us. Uh, We show forth his death until he come So the Lord's Supper is kind of that corporate opportunity for us to stop and say, this is what it's all about, lest we forget. This is what ought to drive us. This is what ought to unify us. This is what ought to sustain us. And Jesus here is instituting this on the very night before his crucifixion. Look at verse number 25. 
Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So Jesus said, okay, I'm done. Uh, There was another cup that was supposed to have been drunk on the night of the Passover. But Jesus said, no, that cup of blessing, that cup of of praise, I'm going to wait. And I'll drink that with you one day when we're all together in heaven. And of course, we, you and I, will celebrate that very feast. We call it the marriage supper of the Lamb. When we will drink that cup with the Lord in heaven one day. What a great promise that is for all of us. So what is Jesus doing? Jesus is taking an Old Testament covenant and saying, let that's not sufficient. Uh, that simply shows you your need and offers temporary covering, but I'm going to do a work, a once-for-all work, typified by the broken body and the shed blood, where I will uh, die for you so that my spirit can come live inside of you, do that work of Jeremiah 31, that work of Ezekiel chapter 36, that work that I promised, the work of the new covenant, uh, the work of the New Testament, and that's what Jesus promises here. So, wow, great, great encouraging words for you and me today. I'm going to stop there just because uh, I've got a little bit more to say about what he says on that night in that room, and uh, we don't have time to get to it today. So stop there in verse number 25. We'll jump into verse number 26 tomorrow. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.